It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Back Nine Report. We go live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and checking on the world of golf to bring you the latest news, insights, analysis, interviews, recaps, previews. Hey, we cover anything and everything golf. In other words, if it happened in golf, we have it for you. My name is Carlos Torres, and every week I'm alongside my co-host, Fred Alvader. Fred, hi, how are you this week? Hey, Carlos, another week of self-quarantining. What a joy this is. Um... Old reruns of Big Break are just not getting it done for me. I did watch a little of a Shell's Wonderful World of Golf with Sam Snead and Julius Boros from Peachtree Golf Course in Atlanta. And I have long been a fan of uh, Julius Boros' smooth swing and casual attitude. Plus, his family-owned Mid Pines outside of Piner is one of my favorite courses anywhere. Also included in that segment was an ailing Bobby Jones, who was a member of Peachtree and did a short interview with Jimmy Demerit. The segment was taped in 1967, and Jones died in 1971, so he was in the latter stages of his disease. All in all, it's been another week of quarantining, and I have a severe case of cabin fever. Let me out of here. Before I turn it back to you, though, Carlos, I have a big announcement. The Back Nine Report TV is back up on Roku with a few minor format changes, and Back Nine Report TV is also available on YouTube. Carlos, we have a YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, type in Back Nine Report TV. The shows will come up. We've got about half the uh, shows on there right now. The rest of them will be uploaded overnight, uh, and we'll get that all set up and ready to go. And also, of course, uh, all videos are available at BackNineReport.com. Um, we have a full show for our listeners tonight, even though there really isn't, hasn't been any tournament golf, including a couple of very interesting guest interviews. Carlos, I'll turn it back to you. <laughs> it's been uh, an interesting uh, month, I would say. Uh, oh I, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's been uh, – all I can describe is I have never, ever been cleaner in my whole life. This is the cleanest I've ever been. <laughs> there, there's no I've washed way. my hands more. I'm telling you, in the last three weeks, I've washed my hands more than I've washed them in the last, like, five years. Unbelievable, yeah. I'm like a snake. I have shed my skin, like, two or three times already. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. But anyway, Fred, uh, they're, they're, the major tours are not playing. But there's some minor tours playing and some nice things going on. And, uh, you know, as word of Anna Norquist triumph on the Cactus Tour swirled around the world golf community, the cell phone of the tour owner, Mike Brown, has required constant recharging. Mike Brown bought the Cactus Tour in 2010. That was five years after its inception. And he said that it's, his phone has never been this busy. He said that as long as the courses are open and the federal government doesn't shut them down, he is going to hold tournaments. He's actually 
added tournaments to the schedule. But he said that the goal is not really for the Cactus Tour to get huge during the LPGA shutdown, even though that's going to be a by, byproduct, right? But rather, he wants to provide an outlet for out-of-work players if they choose to. And one of those players is Michigan State University alumna Sarah Burnham. She entered in this past weekend's tour event in Buckeye, Arizona, and she plants a few more here and there. Uh, after that, she said, well, the next move is up to fate. Well, Sarah, let me tell you, it was a great decision because at the Sundance Golf Club in Boca, Arizona, she closed with a par 72 on Friday to win by four strokes. She finished a three-day tournament at four over, rallied from third place on the final day, and she beat out a field of 16, mostly local pros, uh, but it was a pretty nice belated birthday present for her. She turned 24 earlier this month, and it was doubly special because her boyfriend, Jackson Reniker, was her caddy. Reniker is a Brighton native, but attends Michigan State, where he's on the wrestling team. The previous week, Sarah, who's a Minnesota native who graduated from Michigan State in 2011, 2018, I'm sorry, played the Cactus Tournament and, as well and finished fourth in a field of 27. You know, like many professional athletes, uh, her year really has been going through a serious loop with all major sports leagues shut down, including including all major professional golf tours. She had briefly began her sophomore season on the LPGA at a tournament in Australia where she made the cut. And that was that, because the LPGA was then shut down. The next event on the schedule for the LPGA apparently is May 14, but there's no guarantees, as we all know, that things will be and running by them. So she hopes everything's good to go for her favorite tournament, that is the major classic in Grand Rapids, Michigan. That would be June 11 to 14. But we don't know yet. As for now, the Cactus Tour, despite playing on, they have, they're really taking precautions. So people, chill out, chill out. They're sending golfers out in groups of two to abide by that social distancing suggestion. There were no rakes in the bunkers. Players had to leave the plastic in, and cups had cut up pieces of pool noodles in them so the players didn't have to reach far to retrieve their ball. Fred, <laughs> this was funny. Uh, in an effort to keep things light, Mike Brown presented uh, Burham with a roll of toilet tissue as part of her winnings. So she left the cactus tour with a rare trifecta, the cash, trophy, but most importantly, that rare thing that we cannot find anymore. Toilet <laughs> tissue. That is, Fred, a true sign of the times. Yeah, um, just we want to kind of give a little shout-out to uh, Sarah. She was a standout player in Michigan State. Um, Tom Lang, my partner up in uh, Michigan, does the Michigan Golf Journal. Uh, he really likes uh, Sarah, thinks she has a bright future, and has been following her whole career up there. And, of course, we have ties to Michigan State uh, golf team, uh, you know, a couple of the coaches there. So, um, so congratulations for her. Um, and uh, a win is a win, Carlos. I don't care where it is, when it is. Cactus Tour, Outlaw Tour, Mini Tour, it doesn't matter. Uh, she got a win, picked up a little bit of cash. Uh, she's about the only one in the, in the world right now making money playing golf. <laughs> hey, wherever there's golf, hey, let's go do it. Because live golf right now is scarce this day. But let me tell you that at least two players who have teed up in mini tour 
events this month have made the most of that opportunity. Remarkably, the two players recorded a round of 59 within six days of each other, playing on the minor league golf tour and the outlaw tour, respectively. Sonny Kim's round of 59 went down last Tuesday at a minor league tour event at Fox Club in Palm City, Florida. It was the tour's first round of 59 and was fired, fittingly, by the tour's carrier money leader. The day started out ordinarily enough for him. I mean, Kim made only two birdies in his first five holes, but then he got fired. I mean, he made four straight from uh, from number seven to the to the ten. Then he locked two more at number twelve and thirteen. Then played his final three holes in four under. He made an eagle at the par four sixteen, which was playing four hundred forty yards, and another eagle at the par five eighteen. So, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures, right? So, Keem was nine back entering the final round of the 36-hole event and ended up winning by three. Interestingly, on the same day that Kim fired 59, he was also celebrating his 31st birthday. But you might ask, who is Sonny Kim? Well, he hails from Queens, New York. He turned professional back in 2007. He Monday qualified into the 2010 John Deere Classic, and has three career Corn Ferry Tour starts. You say, well, I mean, that's not impressive. But let me tell you something. He is the Tiger Woods of the Minor League Golf Tour. That's who he is. Now, as for the other sub-60 round, Jared Dutois brought in a closing 59 on March 19 at the Outlaws Tour's Western Skies Classic at the Western Skies Golf Club in Gilbert, Arizona. Dutois had nine birdies, seven of them were in the back nine, and an eagle on the par 70 layout. That 59 followed rounds of 64 and 68 and left Dutois at 19 under for 54 holes. That was good for a tie for first with Will Bateman and Carson Roberts. Fortunately, unfortunately, he didn't win. It was Will Bateman who won the playoff. But again, you would ask, okay, and who is Jared Dutois? He's a 24-year-old Canadian who turned professional in 2017 after finishing his college golf career at Arizona State. He played for two years at Idaho before that. Earlier 2020 headlines for winning the PGA Tour Latino America qualifying tournament in January, but then he missed the cut at the Estrella del Mar Open earlier this month, which was his only other start on that tour. So Fred, 259s within six days. I don't care if those were minor tours. A 59 is a 59. That is really tough to achieve. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Again, it's just like, you know, it doesn't matter what you win, you're winning. But what does that tell you about golf in this country, though? Here's a guy that's won 67 times mini tour events, right? And he shoots a 59, so he's obviously a pretty good golfer. Um, you know, I mean, even if you shoot a 65, which is, you know, uh, six shots better than that, I mean, that's going to make you money every week on the Corn Ferry Tour or on the PGA Tour. How can he not make it in the Corn Ferry Tour or, you know, even make it up in the PGA Tour? He can shoot these kind of numbers. So uh, Chase Kepka was in this field, too. I don't know if you noticed that or not uh, with Sonny Kim. He was T10. So here's a guy that's one of the top players in the world, Chase Kepka, uh, Brooks's brother, 
uh, playing in Europe now and getting a few starts in the United States, he gets a T10. This guy that wins, shoots 59, has 67 mini tour wins. How can he not be playing and making bigger money? But maybe he makes more money in the mini tours than he can make on the Corn Ferry Tour. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that's what was amazing to me, Carlos. Uh, how can this guy win 67 mini tour events and not make it in the Corn Ferry or on the PGA Tour or even in the European Tour? How can he not do that? <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's amazing. But anyway, uh, that that's part of what makes golf so competitive and so different no matter where you're playing. I mean, as you go up, pressures are tougher to handle. And I think that's where the difference between the great players and the other ones are. The better you are the, the, handling that pressure day to day, is the better you're going to be as you move on. Because we have seen plenty of times, uh, even recreational players go low and, and go score, uh, being scratch players or score under par and all that, but it's how consistently you do it. And at the pressure time, can you, can you really sustain that? So, I mean, once you go and reach that plateau, I mean, it's really difficult for you to, to keep moving up unless you really put in the time and put in the work that you have to do. But anyway, yeah, but Carlos, let's move on that's, now. That's, that was uh, Carlos. Yeah, go ahead. That's that's the point, though. Exactly. He doesn't. He shouldn't. He probably doesn't have that much money in his pocket. So when he's going out to play, he needs to, you know, be top ten or top five so he covers his expenses for the week because they don't pay that much money in the mini tour event. Um, you know, I, I imagine if you make five grand for the week, that's that's a pretty good week. Um, and you know, if you're out there traveling, you're going to spend twelve, fifteen hundred bucks easy, uh, and then that's not even including a caddy or you know. If you, and that's living cheap. So, um, you know, he's got the pressure. He, he can play under pressure if he's won that many times, he's been in contention that many times and got it done. Um, why can't he, you know, when you get on the Corn Ferry Tour or even get up to the PGA, you're playing with house money because now you've got a little some sponsorships. Uh, you've at least got a little bit of money to make things work. You just got to, you just got to, you know, do it and, and make a count on the golf course when you're out there. It's not like you're, playing for your dinner so much like you would be on the mini tour events or maybe even a money game. Cause I, I imagine these guys playing a lot of money games, um, you know, to get ready to play in the, in those mini tour events. And I, it just, it, it boggles my mind how he can do that well on the mini tour and not convert that uh, into, uh, you know, a professional league somewhere. Totally agree. And now let's close the part the, we can backspin it. Let's move on to the four call. There are no tournaments still in the future, near future. But, Fred, we want to discuss the future schedule changes, some rumors and thoughts that we're seeing out there. Um, one of those changes that we see is that the U.S. Uh, Open has become the third or will become the third major championship to be postponed because of the COVID-19 outbreak. That is according to a New York Post report late last Thursday night. Sources told the Post that the USGA informed Wingfoot that a tournament will not be played in June. But then a spokeswoman for the association said that the championship is still scheduled to be played June 18 to the 29th. So there are some conflicting comments there. 
We do know that the tournament preparations at Wingfoot were halted last week, and the club was closed when New York Governor Andrew Cuomo signed an executive order suspending all non-essential work in the state, which has become the epicenter of the pandemic in the U.S. So according to that report, the current plan is for the championship to be played at Wingfoot later in the summer. Fred, the PGA Championship and the Masters have already been postponed. The Open Championship in July at Royal St. George remains on schedule, at least for now. The Ryder Cup and the FedEx Cup are like the hamburger between two buns. The TV scheduling is very complicated, the way I see it with the NFL right there in the mix. Fred, in the words of that legendary Vince Lombardi, what the hell is going to happen here? It's going to be a mess. Uh, it really is. I don't see any way in the world they can play the U.S. Open at Wingfoot in June. I just, I, I don't see how it's going to happen. Trump just, uh, you know, the government just extended the quarantine through the month of April. Uh, now that puts you into May. They've got to play some qualifiers, um, you know, for some to, for guys to get into the U.S. Open, uh, unless they decide not to do that, which I can't imagine they would do. Um, then they got to get everything set up, get everybody there. I, I just don't see it happening in June at Wingfoot. Uh, they're talking about moving it to September. Um, and now you're going to play, you're going to play with the, with the, uh, well, let's back up here a second. So right now, what we know right now is that the PJ tour is still hoping to return to the Charles Schwab cup challenge in Fort Worth in May. That's followed by the rocket mortgage in Detroit followed by the Memorial, uh, which is normally invitational. There's some rumors that they may increase the field to give more guys a chance to earn some money during that week. Um, and so I don't see – you've got the Open Championship in, in July as, as usual. But once that thing hits, then you've got, you've got the uh, FedEx Cup. Then you're going to have – the U.S. Open, the P, well, the G, the I guess the uh, PGA is looking at late July, early August. So it would be the PGA. Then you go to the Open Championship. Then you go to the FedEx Cup. Then you go to the U.S. Open. Uh, then you go to the uh, the Ryder Cup, and then you go to the Masters in October, November. Um, that's a lot of golf in a four month four month time period. Uh, these guys, of course, they're getting rested up right now. They're at home just working out, playing on social media and, and all that kind of stuff. They're bored out of their minds probably. But um, there's going to be a tremendous amount of golf played this fall. And like you alluded to, how's the TV going to work this all in amongst all the football that's going to be played? Because CBS and, uh, and, and Fox are heavy into football in the fall. So um, Fox, of course, has all the U.S. Open stuff. Um, CBS does a lot of the, uh, a lot of the tournaments, uh, the, of the big tournaments. So um, I, I don't know. It's it's to be quite a mess, actually. Um, let's see what else did I have here about this. Uh, also, um, Carlos, I know you saw this, but I want to mention here too that the uh, 2020 Olympics that we announced last week that had been postponed. The new date is July 23rd to uh, August the 3rd of 2021. Um, so it, you know they do have that rescheduled now basically kind of the same time frame that they had this year, just out one more year. So uh, this scheduling, Carlos, it's going to be a mess. 
you know, whenever we know something concrete, whenever we know things are going to ramp up and get started again, we will be sure and report on it here. But um, right now, it is a lot of confusion and a lot of guesstimation on what's going to be happening. I mean, if if you think out there that this is a mess right now, imagine what's going to happen next year. Because like you mentioned, the Olympics were moved to July 23rd to August 8th, which is basically the same time that they were going to be this time, this year was July 24th to August 9th. But all that scheduling that they're going to have to redo for next year because they didn't have the Olympics next year. So the, the, the schedule was going to be a lot different. Everybody's that's why I think, and we're going to talk about this uh, in a little while about the Ryder cup. Uh, that's why they can't move it. I mean, they, they have so much stuff yeah. to yeah. move right yeah. now. I don't know how they, they're going to make it happen. Because if you keep moving things for next year, I don't see how they're going to have – because it's already compacted. They, how can they compact it even more again the next year? So, I, well, well, we'll talk a little bit about that in, in a little while. But definitely yeah, the yeah. Olympics, I've heard that people are saying that uh, they should not be uh, – shouldn't have been scheduled so quick uh, – uh, the question really now is whether that year, one year postponement will be long enough. Uh, it's impossible, really, to predict the global trajectory of the pandemic. Okay. Carlos, uh, but Carlos, you're breaking, you're, you're breaking up bad. Why don't you repeat? Yes. Can you repeat what you just said there? You were breaking up pretty good there. Yeah, the question there? really is whether it's a one year Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I'm here. Yeah, yeah gotcha. no, I, it's just that that I don't know if it's going to be long enough the the one year, so that's that was just a point there. But anyway, yeah. anything else yeah. you want to add to that before we move on to the? No, I'll just uh, in that one um, mentioned Boyne uh, right now. Uh, Boyne is still planning for a May one opening. Um, we'll have to see how that goes. Um, for their 10 courses. Once golf is restored, the dates will get filled up quickly. I would recommend jumping online at boing.com forward slash golf right now. Take advantage of the outstanding pricing available for 2020. Let's be positive. This is going to get over. Things are going to get back to normal. Book your next golf trip now at boing.com forward slash golf. Carlos, back to you. All right, and with that, we wrap up our four call and move on to the par five news. And uh, Fred, tell us a little bit about the, the first story we have right now. This just keeps getting better and better. This is like the, this is like the, the Christmas that just keeps on giving this story, Carlos. Um, I just keep getting a little bit every day um, with no tournament golf to talk about. Uh, there, there's still a bunch of golf news and we're, we got a lot of stuff here to talk about tonight. But uh, Brandel Chambly is, is up to his old, uh, old tricks. He's stirring a pot once again. And this time he's drew the ire of the PGA of America uh, and some high-profile uh, golf teachers. Um, he uh, he kind of blasted some of, the, uh, some of the teaching methods of some of the PGA pros that they're doing. They're going about it all wrong, using all this high-technology stuff and a lot of the stuff they're teaching, a lot of the, you know, Shouldn't shouldn't be done. Well, the PGA of America, Susie Whaley, and and uh, they they vehemently 
um, you know, contradicted Brandel and said, you know, he was full of crap. And, and uh, so they jumped all over him, which that was good. Well, then, of course, Brandel couldn't let it go. He had to come back and say something else. And also uh, Claude Harmon III and Michael Breed also responded to Chambly and social media and with posts and, and articles and blogs and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, they uh, just uh, these guys are just going at tooth and nail. David Ledbetter, um, he was not happy with Chambly, of course. He posted an open letter to Brandel in uh, the Aussie uh, Australian Golf Digest. Uh, and and uh, Ledbetter said, uh, Brandel was a journeyman tour player and has moved on to become a highly regarded TV pundit, at least in some quarters. Backhand compliment. His controversial comments can at times be quite refreshing, but personal attacks on people, players at times, and in this case, coaches are cheap, cheap shots just meant to further his reputation as an outspoken analyst. I doubt that Brandel has ever given a golf lesson of any note in his life. I certainly have not heard of any tour players running around singing his praises as a coach. Well, I imagine Brandel has given a few golf lessons. He does know a little bit about the golf swing, and he is an expert in the field. And uh, some of these coaches do take themselves way too seriously, and a lot of the stuff you read on social media and in magazines and on TV is very contradicting, and it's hard for people to understand why they don't get better. Um, on the other hand, here, Carlos, several old-school teaching pros are sticking up for Brandel and bemoaning the fact that the overuse of technology for the average golfer and changing things when maybe it's not really necessary, uh, case in point, Lydia Ko. Um, Carlos, <laughs> there are a lot of ways to swing a golf club, and they're pretty much as varied as snowflakes. The teacher must help the student to find his or her best move to become more consistent and confident and that way enjoy the game a little bit more. Brandel is really good at stirring things up. And these high-profile coaches all have big uh, egos, and they know it's to their advantage to join in the fray on social media to keep their name out there. I'm sure they're calling him uh, without anybody knowing and thanking him for keeping their name in the headlines. But, you know, it makes a lot of fun on social media and Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff to see these guys going back at each other in these blogs. But I, it's really just about publicity, I think. I don't know. You know, at the end of the day, um, you know, some of these guys like the guy they're with and some of these guys like, like, like Bryson DeChambeau. He loves the numbers. He loves looking at all that stuff. It might drive somebody else nuts. Um, but everybody, everybody learns a different way, uh, Carlos. And that's one of the, that's one of the real challenges of teaching, whether you're a teacher in school, uh, you're trying to teach golf, you're a coach of any, uh, a college player or whatever. It's how do you make that student understand what you're trying to tell them? And so that's what makes a great teacher. And the teachers only can do well if the player understands what they're saying. So, it, it's a complicated issue, but it, it's great fun to read all this stuff on social media. Carlos, you there? You got your mute on? I think we've lost Carlos. Um, hopefully I am still on, and I'm going to continue on until we get him back. Um, the next news item that we got for this evening I'm here. Um, I'm here for it. 
You're, you're back. Okay. All right. I'll let you. I'll let you jump back in there then. Uh, no, I, I was just uh, saying before my call dropped was that uh, the reason why the coaches are really responding is because of who Brenda Ch- Brendel Chambly is. They know the the publicity. That, I totally agree with you. I think this Brendel has to keep that is his job to steer the putt and to bring eyeballs to his uh, comments and. Uh, I think the coaches are right to jump into that bandwagon because on this downtime, how else are you going to get some news or some attention going your way? So definitely, I totally agree that this is just something that Randall had to do, say something about something, someone, and in this case, it was about these coaches. And yeah, I mean, they responded. And now it's the back and forth, and we are the ones here being entertained by their show up there. But anyway, uh, I have a question for you. Uh, yep. Why, why is the IRS moved the deadline to submit the taxes? The PGA hasn't done the same thing with their dues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you want me to go off your rant here? Uh, yeah, is- I, I don't even want to say anything. I know you're going to say <laughs> plenty of it. So uh, I, that's why I have this question. This is so idiotic. I, the PGA is the PGA is trying to leapfrog the USGA and doing really dumb stuff. I guess uh, looks like to me. <laughs> um, they they sent out a letter to their members that the uh, the PGA of America will bill, begin their billing on May first, twenty twenty, for all PGA professionals. So if you're a PGA professional, I mean you got to pay a fee every year to belong to the to the PGA of America. Uh, what you get for that is not a lot. Uh, they don't have insurance plans. They don't do much for them. Um, they put the money in the bank, and, you know, they pay their guys big salaries up there in the office. But anyhow, um, so they have three payment options. Very nice about this. they got three options. You can pay the full dues uh, anytime through July 31st uh, this year with no penalty or late fee. Well, that's very nice of them. Um, you can pay um, – the section amount at any time through July 31st without penalty or late fee. So you not only got section dues, you got the national dues. And if the section amount is paid by July 31st, you can pay the national uh, by October 31st without penalty or late fee. And then it says, But also it says if you um, if you don't pay, there are some payment options. So or you can go take a loan and uh, to make sure that you pay that so you don't get dropped. So um, yeah, I, they don't. I guess they don't realize that a lot of golf courses are closed in a lot of states, and a lot of PGA pros are out of work, uh, not making any money right now. But they want to make sure that they get theirs. So because uh, they only got like five six hundred million dollars in the bank, they're you know they're they're running on empty. Uh, you know, with five, six hundred million in the bank, I mean, you know, they might go broke in like eight or ten years. So, um, you know, if this if this coronavirus thing drags out much longer. So, um, yeah, I, I thought this was pretty funny. I, you know, um, we have complained about the uh, PGA of America being out of touch with their members before. Uh, I, this is simply irresponsible to me. This letter should have never been sent out to PGA members uh, suggesting they take out a loan to pay their annual dues. When many aren't even working right now, it's just simply idiotic, Carlos. I, I don't get it. Uh, somebody in PGA headquarters uh, needs to uh, 
stick their hat out the door and see what's going on a little bit. Are you there, Carlos? Did we lose you again? We want to apologize. I, I want to apologize a little bit, folks. Um, we've had trouble the last two weeks uh, with Blog Talk. And matter of fact, we have gone over and taped it on another through another service and then posted to Blog Talk. Uh, this week, I thought maybe we could get through, um, and hopefully we'll call us back in a second. Uh, but um, I, I don't know. Blog Talk is having so, uh, trouble. Remember the coronavirus that struck Blog Talk? I don't know what the deal is. We're going to have to figure something out because this is the third week in a row we've had a little bit of issue with them. So um, yeah, I'm, here. I'm here. Fred. I'm here. Oh, you're, you're back again? Okay, yeah. go ahead. Okay. I just wrapped so, up the PGA thing, so make any comments you want on that. No, no. I mean, I, I was just about. I was just trying to get them muted. Somehow it just kept me muted. But anyway, um, yeah. No, I, I don't. I don't have anything else to say. You said it perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I, I can't beat that. Uh, just, just what I said. I mean, if the IRS did it, PGA, you can do it too. Anyway. But there's more shuffling taking place on the LPJ schedule. With the Olympics now being moved off the calendar, two weeks of potential dates are now open in late July and early August. So the LPGA announced that the Avian Championship, one of the tour's five majors, have been moved from July 23, 26 to August 6 and 9 when the Olympic women's golf competition would have been played. So it will now take the place before the week before the Aberdeen Standard Investment Ladies Scottish Open, and the AIG Women's British Open will follow on August 23rd and 23rd. So this is the second major on the LPGA calendar to change dates after the A&A inspiration, which would have been in April, was postponed due to the coronavirus. The LPGA has not seen competition since the ISBS Henda Women's Australian Open ended on February 16th. So, Fred, the next nine events were canceled or postponed in the wake of the virus, and the next possible competition date is May 14th, which would be the first round of the Pelican Women's Championship, which is an inaugural event we played in Bel Air, Florida. But even then, I don't see it happening, Fred. Yeah, uh, this LPGA season has just been a washout. You know, they didn't get started right away in January. They played uh, a couple of events, and then they've had to shut down. They lost all the – because of the, the problems in Asia, they were supposed to go over there and play three events. They lost those right away, um, and it, it's just been a nightmare for these ladies. Uh, they just have not been able to get any tournaments in at all, uh, and right now they're just sitting back waiting to see when they can get going. And um, – like everybody else, just like we talked about the PGA Tour earlier, they're trying to get back around the middle of May. But that assumes that we'll get this thing wrapped up by now the end of April. And I don't – I'm beginning to worry about that, Carlos. I was kind of hopeful that we would, you know, with all the precautions everyone was taking, that it would kind of subside and by the middle of April or the third week in April, maybe things could start getting back on the up and up again. But the way the problems in New York is having uh, and some of the other cities, um, I mean, it is a nightmare. California, L.A., California, and, and New York are a real mess. Um, and people, even though, you know, some people are quarantining and staying away, other people are not. 
and it's just it just continues to spread. So I I don't know what's going to happen with this thing, Carlos. It looks to me like it's going to be a longer drawn out deal than I originally thought. Um, I don't know that we're even going to be able to come back in the middle of May. What are you thinking? No, I don't think so. And the thing is that yes, there's people. <clears throat> I'm sorry. There's people not quarantining themselves, but there's also another fact. That is that there's a lot more tests going out. So now we know a lot of other people that we didn't know before that are really testing positive. So that's why we're seeing a lot of uh, a spike, a surge in the cases that are coming up. So I truly think we're going to see a flattening of the, of the curve coming up because people are now starting to say, okay, this is really, really bad because they're starting to see the real numbers. But even then, I don't see it happening, uh, being flattened that curve by the end of April. Uh, I totally agree. I don't think it'll be by then. I think we're going to see something happening by July at the best because uh, wow. this is going to be at least a couple of months before everything evens up. And then that's when you're going to start getting back to a little normal and maybe back to get the players out with some precautions that like the cactus tour has been doing there. I, I think that this is going to drag on, even though we start to see a downfall on the, on the spread. So we'll see, but I, I don't see anything happening before the month of July. We'll see. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we can see something before that. But anyway, Fred, yeah, I, I hope you're, I hope yeah. you're wrong too. Yeah, I truly do. Fred, some sad news. I mean, the St. Simon's, Simon's Island, Georgia, house of Davislav III, was destroyed by a Friday morning fire. Fortunately, no one was harmed in the blaze. That was according to a statement made by Love and released by the RSM Classic, which is the PGA Tour event that Love hosts on St. Simon's Island each fall. The house was completely engulfed in flames by the time firefighters arrived at the scene. Randy Jordan, who is the Glynn County Fire and Rescue Chief, said that Love was on the scene when crews responded to a fire at around 5.20 a.m. and that Love and his wife were at the house when the fire started and were able to escape safely. Sixteen firefighters who arrived at the scene within minutes were unable to control the blaze. Officials don't know yet that what that is some scary stuff. Five twenty a.m. I don't know, but I'm sure they were sleeping. Uh, the lost are longtime residents of St. Simon's Island, where Sea Island Golf Club is located, and he hosted parties and get-togethers in that backyard of his now burned down home during the week of the event. Fred, in addition to hosting the annual PGA Tour stop there since 2010, Love also redesigned the club's plantation course, one of two courses used for the tournament, in the house. I mean, he, he, I mean, thank God he and his wife were able to get out without harm because I don't know the circumstances, I don't know the whole story, but at 5.20 a.m., if they were sleepy, they were more than lucky to get out of there. Yeah, it looks like maybe it started in the garage there thinking uh, something happened out there. Uh, they've lived in this home for 20 years, and you're right. It was early in the morning, um, I, you know, I, I'm usually pretty – I get up early, but I'm still usually sleeping pretty good at, at uh, 5.20 or so. So um, lucky they did get out. Um, you know, and it, it's, it's the same thing, Carl. I mean, their kids are raised and they're out of the house. It, 
and so I'm sure there was a lot of memories there, and, and uh, I'm sure they lost a lot of uh, cherished items that they had in there. So it's unfortunate. Uh, the good news is that Davis isn't hurting for money, so I'm sure between the insurance and what he's got, he's going to be able to rebuild and, and uh, have something pretty nice. But uh, uh, unfortunate that happened to him, and uh, uh, hope they all get along, uh, uh, move on forward from that. Totally. We're very happy that nothing happened to him. Things can be replaced. I know there's items that you can't, but, you know, at least life, you cannot replace it, and uh, they are there alive. So, hey, Fred, let's close now with the fifth uh, part of news, which uh, it's about whether the states will stay clo- will close or stay open. I saw an NGF, a National Golf Foundation, report that shows that most golf courses are open during the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, they said that nationwide, 74% of in-season courses remain open during the pandemic. That was based on a survey of 1,006 facilities on March 25 to the 27. Uh, that, that survey has a margin of error of 3%, but even then, that would be 71% or 77 so uh, the, that report, Fred, even breaks it down further. Fifty-four percent of municipal golf courses that are in season are open. Seventy-eight percent of public daily fee courses are open, and seventy-seven percent of private clubs are open. So, Fred, I know you have an interview with Ed uh, Kitchenwitz, uh, who was a member of the crew that built Wisman Strait and currently owns a golf course in Wisconsin. And he'd share his thoughts and concerns about trying to play golf right now and his fear of one of his golfers contracting the disease because they played at his course. So do you want to talk about this before or you want to play the interview first? Yeah, go ahead and play the interview, then I'll make some comments after. All right, let's play. I want to welcome Ed Kirkenwitz to Back Nine Report. Ed has been involved in golf for a long time. He was one of the original crew members at Whistling Strakes when Pete Dye was building that golf course, so he's seen it from the beginning and till today, getting ready for the Ryder Cup, hopefully later this year. He's also been involved in golf course ownership in the state of Wisconsin. And, and Ed, I uh, want to thank you for coming on and talk to us this evening. Uh, I know uh, your golf course, Wisconsin Golf, is closed down right now, but you've been struggling whether it be over or be closed and, and maybe what this is all going to look like when it's all over. Yeah, that's true. That's a very true story there, Fred. You know, we, we struggle with it because you you don't want to be the course that opens and something happens with a golfer where they spread it to other people. You know, it it's just a hard, hard decision to make, even if they do let us open. What do you do, you know? It'd be devastating if somebody got hurt or sick because of a decision that we make. Have you been talking with your staff about what to do if golf does open back up in Wisconsin about maybe cleaning the carts or cleaning the restrooms more often or allowing people in the pro shop? What What are you looking at? What are you thinking about? What are you talking about? You know, my, I have just a small course, nine holes, par three. Um, it's a very small staff. I do about 80% of the work myself. I do a lot of the maintenance and then come in in the afternoons and work the, the clubhouse. The way they're looking at if they would open is the clubhouses wouldn't even be open and it would just be uh, telepay or, you know, credit card payment. And uh, bathroom facilities, I, I believe, wouldn't even be available for the customers either. But, yes, 
we'd be cleaning, 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 and cleaning some more. Uh, the idea of carts, uh, I, you know, you struggle with that. It would be probably one person per cart, and uh, you have to wipe the entire cart down each time it comes in. And on the course itself, uh, no ball washers, no benches, no. I'm, I'm contemplating no tea or no uh, flag sticks completely, and just putting something in the cup so the the ball would stay right up by the top, uh, easy access. You're not touching any other surface. In my own mind, I struggle with even if they lift it, do I open or not? Because in some people's viewpoints, you're going to look greedy and uncaring. And then if you don't open, you're going to risk losing your customers to other courses. It's extremely tough decisions. Yeah, I know uh, resorts are struggling with it. Even states where golf is available, uh, you know, the hotels are not open. Uh, food service is not available. So everyone is just struggling right now. I know in Wisconsin, um, golf was closed with the initial announcement. Then it was said, no, this is okay, it's been open. And then they closed it again. So is there any new clarification for the state that you're aware of that they may open back up or are they just you closed for the uh, as far as you can see right now? I believe they're just going to be closed. I know there's been a lot of people circulating petitions, you know, trying to get it to the governor to get his attention and open it up. I, I really think that's not going to happen. Um, it's just a, it's a tough decision for anybody to make. I don't take it lightly by any means. And I just hope that we get through this and the people return to golf um, stronger than they did before. Appreciate it. You know, appreciate your friends on the course. That's really what golf is about. And if we're forced to open and you can only let singles out, um, really takes away from the point of golf, you know, to get out and be with your friends, enjoy your friends, taking time. It's just very tough. I wish I had the answer. Ed, um, I know you, 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 the course that you own now, you've only owned it now for a couple of years, and, and it's early on, and, and uh, it's got to be tough. I mean, you have a short season in Wisconsin anyhow, and every day that you're losing now is, is a, a, a day of lost income. How does golf recover from this? How do owners handle this where they're not getting income? You know, the mortgage is still going to have to be paid. Uh, you know, the course still needs some maintenance and upkeep. How, how is this going to work? What are we going to see from golf courses looking forward, maybe in a couple months or six weeks when we can get out to play? You're going to have to really decide what you want to do. Do you spray the herbicide for your dandelions? Do you apply the fertilizer? Do you water? Do you not water? Um, everything you do is costs you know, some money. So it's always a question of am I going to get recover what I invest at this point? Um, you know, like you said, there's a golf ownership, there's a puzzle. And every day you lose a piece of that puzzle, you're not going to find it again. It's it's gone for that year. I just really hope that once we do come out of this, that the golfers, golfing community comes out strong and really supports us. You know, we can't do like the restaurants with carryout service or anything like that. It's, it's either that you're there hitting range balls or golfing or whatever. So I'm just hoping that your customer base really responds well. I know it's going to be tough because a lot of them aren't working and they don't have money to come back right away. So, you know, you have to work and come up with ideas. I just hope the other golf courses don't try to undercut each other now to get the people back. That's probably the last thing we need to do is start 
offering such deep discounts that it affects everybody. Um, I think we should hold true with our pricing. If you have a good price point, you should just stick with it and really do it for every other golf course. I think we got to sacrifice April as, as a Wisconsin community just because it, it's such an iffy month for us in the first place. And I'd rather sacrifice yeah. April than sacrifice a friend or get into May and June and have to sacrifice those two months. You know, it's it, yeah. it just as a community, yeah. we've really got to buckle down and I think just yeah. keep it at April, hopefully, you know. Great points made by Ed Kirkenwich, golf course owner in Wisconsin. Wisconsin's currently closed down, but uh, hopefully when the sun gets to shining here in another couple of weeks and things get back, maybe we can get back to playing some golf. Ed, thanks a lot for coming on and talk with us. Thank you, Fred. Have a great day. Well, that was Ed Kirkenwich. And, uh, Fred, that is really, uh, really tough situation for golf courses. Uh, <clears throat> trying to expand a little more on this uh, golf report by the National Golf Foundation, 12 states have shut down golf. That is Illinois, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, Vermont, Washington, and Wisconsin that have shut down the game entirely. Every other state is allowing golf, at least in some limited form, uh, with the exception of uh, California who has no state order, but has widespread local restrictions that affect that. So golf courses have really then shut down all their or restricted maybe their food and beverage services, some their clubhouse, uh, some have locked doors to their pro shop. So it's, it's very difficult what they're doing right now. Uh, if you go to judge the impact, they say that 42% of the courses are reporting significant impact to their uh, operations with a particular mention of marketing, sales administration, and communications. And there's a 23% that said their impact to their business has been severe. So uh, the other part that they say also is that about the demand for the game, uh, the report says that rounds of golf were up 15.2% in January and February, but then with the best improvement being 25% in Pacific, but then they have started to go down. Of course, that is uh, attributable to the coronavirus. Uh, and uh, right now, for the, the only thing that we can say is, uh, you know, for serious golfers, in two U.S. markets, and this is from that report, Myrtle Beach in South Carolina and Palm Springs, California, there were more, more golf-related Google searches than coronavirus-related searches. But in what could be a bad sign for the sports, for the first time ever nationwide, there were more Google searches exploring unemployment than golf-related topics. So that is another sign of the new time set. Yeah, I just was looking at an article. Uh, um, Alan Freeman, who is a contributor to Ohio Golf Journal, uh, does uh, Northeast Ohio golf up around the Cleveland area. And golf in Northeast Ohio was up. 300% in the month of February from the same time period in 2019. Um, you know, there were some, several good days in February this year. It wasn't quite as wet, wasn't quite as cold, so guys could get out and play. So that was a big factor. But golf was really on the upswing, and, and you could see it everywhere. I, I, even around Toledo, guys were out playing uh, the golf course that 
that uh, I live on. You could see guys out there every day playing uh, in uh, February. Um, so golf was really getting going good this year. And everybody last year was such a disaster in Ohio. And so golf course owners were really pretty upbeat. They were, they were looking for a really good year. They really need it. And they were looking for a good year. And now this has happened. And so in Ohio, Carlos, uh, the governor says, yeah, it's okay. Golf courses can stay open. They're open air facilities. It's okay. We want that. Well, then uh, the, uh, the county uh, uh, board of health in Stark County, which is up in Northeast Ohio, said, oh, no, 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 no. Now, these are not essential. We don't, need these, we don't need these things open. Well, he wasn't saying they were essential. They're open air facilities. And, you know, we got to have something for people. You know, golf is one thing people could do outside and stay, stay apart. And so they just, the, the county, the state health uh, department just came out with a ruling about 3 o'clock this afternoon. I just put it up on, uh, up on Facebook a little while ago before we came to do the show. Uh, they said, no, golf in Ohio is okay. So golf is still open in Ohio. There's a lot of rules that you got to follow. you got to do different stuff. Uh, but everybody's doing it. Everybody's fine as long as they can get out there and play a little bit. Um, yeah, you can put stuff. You can. They're using these. Uh, they're using these pool noodles. They're they're cutting them off. Uh, you know, they're, they're, those things are hollow in the middle, and so they're sticking the stick them down the in the cup, sticking the the flag down in them, and so the ball doesn't go all the way to the bottom of the cup. It just kind of stays up at the top. You can reach in and get your ball. You're not supposed to pull the flag out. Leave the flag alone. Um, you know, don't pick up a rake and rake anything. You know. Um, you know, you can't go in the clubhouse for, for beer or pop or whatever, you, you know. Um, and a lot of places aren't even using the pro shop. They're using the starter shed or whatever. They're sitting up outside if they can. So you don't even have to go into a building. You can stay, you can stay apart. Uh, somebody was telling me that they went to a golf course and they, ha- you know, they had blue tape on the floor so that uh, if someone is at the counter, the blue tape, you couldn't go past that. Uh, you had to stay back six, eight feet from the person at the counter. Um, so it's, uh, it's a different situation pretty much everywhere you go. Um, and, uh, there are a few things you can do to be safe. Ed mentioned a couple things there, you know, maintain your six foot distance, one player to a cart, uh, no more than two people in a pro shop at one time. Um, and so just use common sense, um, do your thing. You can still go out there and play a little bit. If you're in Ohio, some of those states where you, you can't play, you just SOL. But uh, here in Michigan, where I'm at right now, there's, there's no play here. Everything is closed. Uh, one, uh, one course owner here said, I'm going to open up. He said, if I have to pay a fine, then they can find me. But I'm going to be open. Um, he's just kind of, you know, disregarding it. So um, just uh, I, you can go to um, the Golf Course Superintendents Association.org. Uh, That's GCSAA.org. And there is uh, one of their tabs. You can click on it, and you can see the uh, uh, state-by-state coronavirus update. Uh, see if your state's open, if it's pending, what's going on. If there's any questions, uh, you can go to there and check it out, Carlos. So um, Ed made some great points, I thought, uh, in, in, his, uh, in his interview. And if you go out there to play, if your state allows you, just be careful, Carlos. And with that, we'll wrap up our Par 5 News. And now we go to our VIG, very important guest of the week. That is Catherine Roberts, who is one of the leading yoga and Pilates experts in the nation. She has worked with golfers for over 15 years 
and it's a fixture in the MLB spring training camps. She's always a wealth of information, and we're excited to have her back on the show once again. So, Fred, you talked to Catherine about fitness. What a better thing to do right now that everybody has time and has no excuse to not do something of fitness. So uh, what, what can we hear on this interview? Yeah, um, I did a, a, a little thing for Back Now Report TV, you know, three tips to improve your golf swing uh, while we're in quarantine. And one of the points was to get fit, you know, maybe go watch one of Catherine's uh, videos or, or, you know, do some, do some fitness, do some, some, uh, some kind of stretching routines or whatever. And um, so I thought, well, what better way than have Catherine come on and talk about herself and maybe give us some ideas. So go ahead and roll it, Carlos. We're happy to welcome back to Back Nine Report, uh, Catherine Roberts, who is a yoga and Pilates fitness guru. She has every certification imaginable. She is the expert in the field of fitness and flexibility and doing all these things to be ready to get get out there and play some golf. Catherine, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Fred. It's always great to be on with you. I love it. Well, we always enjoy talking to you. You always have such great stuff for us. We're not going to talk about golf. We're going to talk about baseball. And you were really involved with, uh, with the Major League Baseball teams in spring training in Arizona. That got shut down. But you said you've been really busy now. Uh, several teams are contacting you. You're doing virtual classes over Zoom to get the baseball players, keep them flexible so they're ready to go when baseball does start back up here, hopefully in June. Yeah, we, it was really kind of interesting because, you know, initially it's like, okay, we're going to have to maybe shut this down. All right, well, now, you know, first they said a couple Thursdays ago, okay, everybody out of all the facilities, let's regroup on Tuesday. And then Monday afternoon came around and they said, we'll have 50 guys in the building at a time. And then later in the day it said we can only have 10 guys in the building at the time. And that's when I knew that baseball was going to be pretty much shut down. So to your point, what's been really interesting is that on the golf side of my business, I've been training people over FaceTime and Zoom for years. I have clients all over the world that I've never met in person. And now um, what I've experienced now in baseball, and this is also what people are experiencing all over the world, is the power of training virtually. And it's been tremendous. I I actually – taught with one of my one of my MLB teams this morning. Uh, I've got another one at four o'clock today. I have uh, two tomorrow and and one on Saturday. So um, I think people need to kind of take a step back and, and it could potentially be an opportunity for people to even become more engaged because they are able to do it from the comfort and um, quietness of their own homes. Catherine, I know from my own experience, as I've gotten older, uh, I'm just not as flexible. I just don't have, I'm not able to turn. And so something that I talk to pretty much every golfer that I work with, especially a little bit more mature guys, is that the need to do some yoga, do some Pilates, do some stretching, whatever it is, to increase their flexibility so they can get a little bit bigger backswing, so they can get a little bit better follow-through to increase their clubhead speed and hit the ball a little bit farther than that so they don't lose so much distance. Even though we're quarantined right now, maybe, you're, maybe your state doesn't have golf, maybe your state does have golf, but, but you're not going out and playing because you don't want to be around people. 
But there's a lot of stuff you can be doing right now at home, right, to increase your flexibility and be ready when you are able to get back onto the course. Absolutely. And, it, you know, I would kind of equate it to, if you live in a cold environment, what the off-season is like. So yeah. it's, it's, it's actually potentially a, a bigger opportunity to work on your body to thus work on your game than it is by, um, you know, going out and playing five days a week. So I, I think it's a tremendous opportunity. We have a lot of online programs, free videos on our website. Uh, we have something called the Golfer's Profile where people can answer a short questionnaire and instantly receive in their inbox some free video tips just to get people started. Also, all of our, um, all of our workouts are all um, delivered digitally. So you can watch it on your iPhone, on your iPad, on your computer. You can wire it to your television. So no one has to go to the post office and you can order these things and they come in your inbox right away. So you can be at home, you can be doing your, your stretching, your exercises, you can be talking to an expert, Catherine Roberts, right there on your computer. You can have everything you need. I, I was on your, uh, your YouTube channel the other day, and I happen to be looking at uh, one of your uh, videos right now, Yoga for Golfers, Play Better, Stronger, Longer, Peak Season Endurance. Um, and, you know, yeah. one of the things that I found as I got a little bit older, too, not having the endurance or not having the, the uh, flexibility, when you got out around the 12th or 13th or 14th hole, you started getting tired. And so getting more flexible and doing some of these things will help your endurance as well, right? Yes, and, and I just want to make a little clarification in that people think of yoga as only flexibility. It's not at all. It's at the, the program that I've created for golfers is very similar to the program that I've created in Major League Baseball. And what it really is is more dynamic stability that moves your body to your end range of motion. That's, I, I think that that's a better way to describe what we deliver than just kind of general flexibility. It's not just stretching. It's learning how to use the ground. It's about activating and strengthening the lower body because you're using the force you're, you're using the force of gravity to push against that force of gravity using your own body weight. So doing these programs can make you very strong. To your point about endurance, this is one of the things that we want to make sure people don't lose when they are quarantined or in an off-season or whatever it might be. Because I can tell you, Fred, and I'm a golfer, by the way. I've been playing golf my whole life. My parents play golf. Uh, I grew up in a golfing family that when you are out on the course, and to your point, you get around the 12th or 13th hole, you start to get physically tired, the next thing to go is your mental acuity. And that ties into not only being able to be fully present over the shot at hand, the shot that's directly in front of you, but it also has to do with course management. If you're tired, you're not going to make the best course management decisions that you would make if you're feeling strong. And let me just add one more thing in that. We are all about breathing. It's the most important thing that you do in the practice of yoga and the practice of Pilates is all about breathing. And not only from the golf perspective to help you instantly reset your mind, keep your body free of tension so you can efficiently load your muscles so that you can effectively contract and explode muscles for power and distance, but also in this time that we're in right now, Fred, People need to really be focusing on their breathing. You know, there's a lot of stress. And I'll tell you, I made a joke this morning on one of my Zoom calls. I said, I think I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting bad posture from watching too much Netflix. 
You know, um, this the first week. And I'm week curious of this, about that. No, I, I understand, and, I, and and one of one of the reasons, the important points that I want to touch base on with what you talk about is the fact of a positive attitude. I went through a real downtime over the last couple of weeks because our business is just completely shut down. You know, I try to talk to people about, you know, being involved in the magazines or doing something, and, and nobody will talk to you right now. You know, they don't know what's going to be happening, and so nobody wants to talk to you. And I was kind of down. And so one of the things we can do, Catherine, is to get up off that couch, do something, totally. you know, look at one of your yep. videos, go through some of the, uh, the drills, some of the exercises, it will get your endorphins going, you'll feel better, and, you know, you'll start maybe getting a little more of a positive attitude, right? 100%, Fred. And even if it's something as simple as you're – right now I'm sitting in the, in the island in the kitchen. I need to make sure every 30 minutes I stand up and I just take 10 deep breaths by raising my arms over my head on an inhale, and I open my mouth and I, I exhale like I'm fogging up a mirror, like – as I lower my arms down, even if you just do 10 of those and feel like you're stretching your rib cage. Another breathing practice that I really like, Fred, is if you lay on your side, right? So let's say I'm laying on my left side and my knees are 90 degrees to my body. I take my right hand and I put it at the very, very top of my rib cage. Okay, so I'm laying on my left side. My legs are 90 degrees to my body. My right hand is at the top of my rib cage. As I take a big breath in, I want to feel my rib cage move north as I inhale into my hand. As I exhale, I feel my right rib cage move south, right? So you inhale yep, 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 to lengthen it. and stretch your intercostals as your rib cage stretches north, and then you exhale out of your mouth, right, as your rib cage then moves down towards the floor. And I literally just did this with one of my baseball teams yesterday. We laid, we did us, we laid on our sides. We did 12 breaths in each direction. That was part of the breathing practice. And I can tell you, even just what I just did right now, describing that to you, I already feel a greater sense of energy. It's so important. The other thing, too, you know, I'm not a doctor, okay, but what we want to make sure is that our respiratory system stays healthy because this virus apparently attacks the respiratory system. So, again, that's my disclaimer. I'm not a doctor, but I can speak to it from an energetic standpoint and from a blood flow standpoint and from an oxygenation standpoint, because that's what I've been teaching for 20 years, is we need to be breathing. And you can't be breathing if you're slumped over the sofa watching Netflix or Prime. And, by the way, I'm guilty of it, so I'm preaching to the choir here. We are so happy that Catherine Roberts takes a few minutes out of her time. Uh, even with this interview today, she's talking with Major League Baseball teams before and after us and, and worked us into a schedule. So, Catherine, we thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk to us. And we can go to your YouTube channel, just uh, Google. Uh, just once you go to YouTube, just put, type in Catherine Roberts. Your videos will come up. Your website is Yoga for Golfers. That's yogaforgolfers.com. You can find out all kinds of information yep. there if you want to contact her about uh, setting up a, a private uh, Zoom call and doing some some uh, exercise and things. You'll be more than happy to set that up for you. Catherine, anything else that we forgot? Uh, I think you covered everything, but I do want to stress one last thing, which is that if you are interested in having a personalized program, personalized protocol developed for you, this is what I do, this is what I do uh, on Zoom all the time, or we can even do, do it over FaceTime. 
I'll look at your movement with driver, seven iron, and putter face on and down the line. I'll take you through a physical assessment. I'll put you on a program that's personalized for you. You can just shoot me an email. We can talk about it. They're also available for purchase on the website. But for someone that's looking for something, you know, again, very, very customized, I, I am available to work with you one-on-one as well. Catherine, as all, always, thank you so much. Thank you, Fred. There you have it. That was Catherine Roberts. So, Fred, any, any final words on that before we go to the next topic? No, she's just always so, so high energy, and she really has some good stuff. I would, uh, I would urge everyone, if you want to do some, you know, get more fit or get be able to stretch or get more flexible, just go to her YouTube channel, uh, Catherine Roberts, and uh, there's a lot of great information there she talked about, um, and uh, it'll help you, I, I guarantee it. All right. With that, we close our VIG, very important guest of the week, Catherine Roberts. Now, let's move on to our topic, the practice range. Every week, Fred and I pick a topic, and each one of us think our old judge added this week. We're going to be talking about how are the tournament cancellations affecting the Ryder Cup qualifiers. Fred, I think it's easy. They're not, because they're not playing. There's nothing happening. There is nothing happening. Nothing happening. But you know, it it, it brings up the question, though, Carlos. If they, you know, if they don't play, I mean, they're gonna. If they do get going in July, let's say they get going in July, um, and we talked about the schedule earlier in the show. um, You've still got like three of the majors that should be played before uh, before the Ryder Cup. So, and the, the three majors and the FedEx Cup. So, you're going to have time to kind of maybe sort things out a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, some of the guys are saying, well, just the captains can maybe pick the team. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood is saying, well, it's not fair to, uh, to have the Ryder Cup because guys can't qualify for it. You know, we're going to leave some guys out. Well, you know, it's a two-year process. You've already had a year yourself in position. So um, I don't – I'm telling you what, if there's any way possible, the PGA is going to play this thing because they want the money. I- I'm guaranteeing you they want the money, and they're not going to walk away from this thing if there's any way in the world they can play it. If they have to just say, okay, here's 12 – you can pick these 12 guys, and, and Patty, you pick these 12 guys, and that's who's going to do it, they're going to play somehow. But um, – you know, I, I was just looking through the rankings a little bit today, uh, Carlos. And so right now on the European tour, you've got uh, Tommy Fleetwood, John Ram, Rory, uh, Victor Perez, who is a new name in there. We talked about him a little bit, but he's up there. Uh, Tyrell Hatton, Danny Willett, Fitzpatrick, Matt Fitzpatrick, Lee Westwood, who's won, you know, a couple times here, and Bern Wiesberger. So, that lead, then your next three, so that's the top nine. Your next three is uh, Graham McDowell, Henrik Stenson, and Rafa Cabrera Barrow. Now, you got another couple other guys, no names in here, that are in the mix yet, right outside uh, of being eligible, and Robert McIntyre, who's uh, Kieran's buddy. They're from Scotland. But th- that leaves out. Right now, that leaves out Matt Wallace, Justin Rose, Ian Poulter, Francesco Molinari, and Eddie Pepperell. And those, I mean, those guys are all top names on the European tour. So 
they, they've got a lot of sorting out there to do or, you know, what, who's going to make up that team. And then right now on the U.S. squad, the top eight, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Gary Woodland, Xander Shoffley, Webb Simpson, Justin Thomas, and Tiger are the top eight. And then your next four are Tony Finau, Matt Kuchar, Bryson DeChambeau, and uh, Patrick Cantley. And then right behind them, in number 13 and 14, you got Kevin Kisner, my guy, and Ricky Fowler. And then you got Jordan Speed down 17. So, of course, no fill in there, which, you know, we've kind of written him off. But uh, there's a lot to get sorted out with this Ryder Cup thing yet. And, you know, who's going to play? What events are going to be played before they get to it? Are they actually going to play the event? So maybe we're jumping the gun here a little bit. But I, I was just curious. We hadn't talked about Ryder Cup yet, so I thought we'd throw it in for a few minutes. Well, I have, as usual, the Backman Report has some consultancy that we can do for you. You know, we're gonna, I'm going to throw out there uh, an idea of how to pick the players. But first, All right. I want to, um, um, first, let me uh, address the report. Uh, there were some reports that the 2020 match is to postpone, to be postponed, and that was uh, a report from the Telegraph's James Corrigan, who said that golf's authorities, and I'm going to quote him, said, are rapidly reaching the decision that their most lucrative spectacle should not be jammed into a schedule that is contracting by week by the week due to the coronavirus crisis. However, you know, both teams denied the claims, simultaneously tweeting that those reports uh, are inaccurate. Now, we know this. These tweets must be taken with a slight pinch of salt, however, because Korean sources have usually proved to be very reliable. So let's say that they are saying up to now that it's not, that is inaccurate. But maybe afterwards it can happen because the European tour is set to be holding a meeting uh, this week with a further meeting the week after to discuss the Ryder Cup. So if it were to be postponed until next year, that would be only the second time in the match 93-year history that had to be rescheduled. You might remember 2001, it was moved back a year due to the 9-11 attacks. The other times that was canceled was because of World War II in 39, 41, 43, and 45. Uh, even Patty Harrington was saying, you know, that that is not accurate. Those reports were made up, um, that there's no truth to that. But, again, that comes to us and say, when is it going to be played? But I have a solution for very easy solution for how to pick the players. If the tournaments return to that compact schedule and they there's this uh, outburst already by some of the players, and I can understand, there's some players that are uh, they're maybe uncomfortable because they know that there's not going to be enough time for some of the other players they want them to be able to qualify. They want to see on the team to make up the team. So let's make it easy for you. Throw away all the requirements. Throw it out. Don't worry. No more qualification. Anything, all those points are out. Leave it up, not to a committee, not to a, to the captains. Leave it out to the whole uh, uh, tour players' membership to do it. So in Europe, in the European tour, to make a poll and see 
who they want to vote, whoever gets voted in, that's the one who's going to be there. A same thing in the PGA Tour for the American players. Very simple. You're leaving it on the players' hands from now on. They cannot say, okay, well, this guy didn't make it because you picked him, and that was unfortunate. She should have done that. No, I'm leaving you with the answer to pick the players because you're going to vote them in. What's going to happen there? Hey, they know who really should be there, should be playing. They know better than anybody else, so they're going to vote in the best players that they accordingly to them should be on those teams. I think it would be a great way to get those players on board with the decision of who's going to play, and that way you get the buy-in from them as well. So, I don't know. Throwing it out there, Fred, what you think? Well, um, a popular contest is always um, kind of iffy. Um, you know, are they going to vote in Patrick Reed? Are they going to vote in Bryson DeChambeau? They're not the most popular guys in the world uh, on tour. So, uh, I don't know. I, I would I would have my doubts about that. I think they're still going to have to take, like, the uh, – I mean – the top guys are top guys. That, that's not going to change. You got the top five or six guys. Are, they're they're going to be that. Uh, you're going to have Tiger on the team. You know, if he if he can play, if he's physically able to play, you're going to have him. Um, and there's a couple like uh, Justin Rose. I mean, if if the captain's got some picks, he's going to pick Justin Rose. There's no question about it. The other question is, you know, what about Ian Poulter? Uh, he's always a you know a mainstay on the uh, on the European Cup team. So. Um, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not a big fan of uh, of, of having the players uh, voted in. Um, I still think there will be time. I, I I gotta hope, Carlos, that we get back to playing by July. Um, I, I just gotta hope that. I, I can't imagine um, going another three months uh, with without golf. I, I just can't imagine it. Um, and if we get going in July and can still play um, the Open Championship, then the PGA, um, then the uh, FedEx Cup, then the uh, U.S. Open, um, I, that will be enough to sort the field out to, you know, because the majors are where the really big points are. So uh, those, those will really make a difference, and, and things will sort themselves out uh, through the FedEx Cup probably. Um, so I, I think there's enough time to get it done if we can get to playing golf sometime by July 1st. So um, I, I know the tour is shooting for mid-May. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I, I think May is going to get wiped out, it looks like, to me yet. Um, and I, there's just no way in hell they're going to be able to play the the uh, U.S. Open in June, I don't think, either. So. Now we're pretty much out to mid-June or, or early July, and I'm really hoping that this thing gets sorted out by then. We can get back to playing some golf, and that'll give time then to figure out who's going to be on the Ryder Cup team. Well, Fred, let me tell you one thing. On the European Tour, the Irish Open is out. It's uh, being postponed. Uh, so that means they, right now everything through May on the European Tour is out. They don't have anything yeah. going on until June 4th to the Seven, which would be the trophy has on the second, and all yeah. that is saying I'm postponing it. But when are you going to play it? Nobody yeah. knows. There's going to be. Yeah. I think there's going to be a tons of cancellations. And yeah, I understand what you're saying about the popularity contest, but this is not going to be a popularity contest. Players want to win their side. They're going to pick the players that they know that have to be on that team. 
they they know they have to do that. This is not about who's popular. And even though in this case about being popular, that's who you want on that team. Well, I've always said, and this is why the Americans have been losing so badly to the Europeans. It's all about how they bond together. That's what the Europeans have been doing. They don't care about who the who the top players were. You saw the four uh, wild card picks the last time. Nobody would have thought about that in the, in this side of the pond. We said, and I remember here and I saying, that's a perfect. That's, those are the ones because that's the way you pick players. It's not about who's informed there. It's who is about best for the team. Until the Americans learn that, they're going to keep losing to the, to the Europeans badly because that's what it's all about. So if it's a popularity contest and that's what they're going to vote for, good, because that's what's going to be the, more, the better camaraderie for the Americans that need that very badly. I don't think Patrick Reed or Bryson DeChambeau would be a very good fit. Who are, that's what's happened right now in the President's Cup. We said it all along. They're not going to fit with anybody. What did they did with, uh, with Patrick? They put it with Webb. Nobody else can play with him. You have to. You are, that's a point that you're going to be losing. Bryson cannot play with anybody. So they, I've been saying it all along. They don't need to be on those teams. That's why I say you let the players pick. Let them be the responsible party for who's going to be there. And that way, because there's not going to be time. And if you're having only the majors and those big tournaments, not all the players, that's going to be very unfair to other players that cannot play those tournaments. It's very unfair. They're not going to have a chance. You're just letting the top players get the, all the points that they need. They already have them. So, really, there's going to be a lot of cancellations. I don't know how they're going to fit all these tournaments in half the year. It's just not going to happen. There's going to be a lot of cancellations. Already we've seen a lot of them. So they're not going to have time to play and to qualify properly. So leave it up, leave it out, and, or just put it for next year. If you're not going to do it that way, leave it for next year so that they can then uh, have one more year, uh, do the whole rescheduling that you want to do, and then do the more points, extend the, the, the deadline, whatever you're going to do. But if you're, not gonna, if you're going to do it this year, leave it up to the players. If not, leave it up for next year. That's my, my final take on that. Yeah, I only, I only know two things. Number one is if there's any way, any chance, they're going to play it. Number one, the PGA wants the money. But number two, Europe, the European Tour needs the money more than the PGA. So uh, the European Tour uses it to get by, you know, for two years until the next Ryder Cup. Um, and number two important fact is, that if Kevin Kisner isn't on the team, we're going to lose again. So I'm, I'm still riding Kevin Kisner <laughs> for my match play guys. So they got it. They got to figure out a way to get Kisner on the team. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. He would, he would be on the popularity contest. He would be in there. But anyway, I think so. I, I think you're right. Yeah, I would definitely take him it. over DeChambeau or uh, Reed any day of the week for sure. Uh, finally, finally, I agree with you on that one. But now <laughs> it's still the topic. And, uh, yeah, that wraps up the practice range every week. Fred and I pick a topic, and each one of us takes our own shot at it. This week it was how our tournament cancellations affecting the Ryder Cup qualifiers. So now we go to the final putts where every week we pick some topics and talk about them. I have one that really, really surprised me. 
And uh, <clears throat> this one, a judge for the Southern District of Florida has denied the PGA Tour's motion to dismiss Hank Haney's lawsuit against the tour related to the termination on his show on Sirius XM PGA Tour radio station. So you might remember that Hank Haney filed a lawsuit against the PGA Tour back in December, in December seeking damages for harm he claims the PGA Tour caused by allegedly interfering with his show. So uh, the tour was saying, ah, that's just not true. Just uh, did that, let that uh, lawsuit go, dismiss it. But then, and this is what I found funny. I think that judge or that court, somebody, they play golf or something because not only they disagree, but the way that they disagree, the ruling, and I'm going to read it. I'm not kidding with what I'm going to say. I'm going to read it because it, it's, read it and listen. It says, and I quote, that was ruling yesterday. The court, having reviewed the party's submissions, the record, and being otherwise fully advised in the premises, find that the allegations teed up in this case like a well-hit drive on the golf course have avoided pleading hazards under Rule 12b-6, remained in bounds, and left plaintiffs with an opportunity to take their next shot. End of quote. That was it. <laughs> that was pretty good. I didn't see that. I like that. <laughs> so the lawsuit proceeds in a golf way. I mean, could it, I, I, I laughed, but it was really right on point. Fred. So uh, we, I least a lot of people, a lot of lawsuit, law pundits said this lawsuit would not just go uh, but right now, it's going. So this takes another turn on something unexpected. So for now, the author of The Big Mist is still alive with his lawsuit, and I can't wait to see what's coming now from the PGA Tour who had no comments on this. Well, the PGA Tour may want to get, consider getting some new attorneys. They lost the VJ Singh thing. Uh, now they're now they may have to pay Hank Haney a bunch of money, so they may want to get themselves some new attorneys. They're not they're not getting their money's worth out of these guys. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, Augusta National uh, donated two million dollars to aid coronavirus testing, so uh, kudos to uh, Augusta National for doing that. Uh, also, Carlos, one more thing, real quick: uh, the uh, apparel company Link Soul has uh, designed a T-shirt that fits today's uh, coronavirus scare with all the proceeds from the sale of those T-shirts to go to the Center for Disaster Philanthropy. So uh, if you can, you can go to Instagram and find this thing. If you go to the Link Soul, L-I-N-K-S-O-U-L, Link Soul uh, 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 Twitter account, uh, it has a picture of the, uh, uh, what's on the T-shirt, and it, it, it says, uh, the, the writing on it says, this calls for the low stinger. And so they're talking about the coronavirus and flattening out the curve. And so they have a, a little picture of a golf course with a high arcing shot or a low arcing shot, like a top tracer line or something. And it shows it. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, would, uh, you know, got to flatten the curve by hitting the uh, low stinger. So I'm going to get one of those and I uh, would urge everyone maybe to take a look at that. Go to link soul on, uh, on Twitter or Instagram and check that out. Uh, Carlos, for me to close tonight, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, report TV is now on YouTube. Just go there, search for it, Back Now Report TV. All the videos will come up after uh, the rest of them will get loaded tonight. 
Um, the Roku uh, issue has been solved, and all the videos are now available again. We have added some new formatting there to make it easier to find what you're looking for. Uh, in the future, uh, also, Carlos, these Back Nine Report podcasts are also going to be on the uh, Back Nine Report TV channel. We're going to have a line for those uh, sometime over the next couple of weeks. We'll get those loaded up there. Also, um, if you're bored, you're looking for something else to do, read great golf news, information, product reviews, and travel at ohiogolfjournal.com or michigangolfjournal.com. Carlos, that's all I got for you on March 31st. Tomorrow is April 1st, April Fool's Day. Carlos, back to you. Yeah, I wonder what what jokes are they going to do. But anyway, Back Niners, that wraps up another week of the Back Nine Report. Thank you for listening. It's always our pleasure to bring you the latest on the world of golf. Special thanks to our VIG, very important guest of the week. We actually had two, Ed Kirchner and Catherine Roberts. Don't forget to join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time here on Block Talk Radio. If you missed it, check it out on iTunes or tune in. Also, Roku TV is back and YouTube. You can find us there. And if you haven't done so, follow the show on Twitter. Our ID is at Back 9 Reports. The number nine is written in the middle. My name is Carlos Torres. Along with Fred Vader, we wish you to be happy, be blessed, and enjoy the great game of golf. Happy golfing, everybody. Good night, everybody. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.